Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. McGregor versus Poirier. Three is all set for UFC 264. In DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round during Saturday's main event. If the rubber match ends in a first round knockout, you will walk away with cash. Just pick the main event fighter you think will win by first round knockout and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 264 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, bet $1 on McGregor or Poirier to win by first round knockout and you win $264. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $264. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. It's a new week. It's NBA Finals week. It uh, doesn't really mean much, I guess, around the Kings per se. But hey, it's Finals week. It's a big week for the NBA. Fans in the building, media traveling the games, all that good stuff. What's going on, everybody? It's Jason Jones of The Athletic bringing you the latest episode of the latest and the greatest, the Ruler of the Court podcast, where I talk about the Kings. I talk about my my favorite non-basketball thing or one of them which would be hip-hop music and just kind of just shoot the shit with everybody talk about what's going on around the nba and again tuesday you know time you're hearing this the nba finals will have or will be starting have started something like that 
You know, Phoenix Suns hosting the Milwaukee Bucks in Game One. Got two former Kings involved in this one. Uh, and actually, I guess you could say three. Frank Kaminsky was with the Kings in Summer League. Now look at him. Not Summer League. Preseason <laughs> with Phoenix. Also Langston Galloway, the backup guard for the Suns. And former Kings first round draft pick Justin Jackson is a reserve for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, none of the former Kings figure to be in the running for finals MVP or make some crazy impact in the series. But, no, you never know. But... I've been acknowledging former Kings pretty much all playoffs, so why not go ahead and acknowledge that those guys are indeed a part of the NBA Finals, and one of you know one of them, somebody on either team could end up a former King could end up with a championship ring. Much like last season, you know, even though he was injured, Demarcus Cousins got a ring with the Lakers, and because I, I don't have to keep going further and further back, because I don't think there's many that many former Kings out there winning championships, but. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. And what the finals had me thinking about this week, again, this won't be like a 30, 35 minute episode just because, well, hey, it's the off season. And unlike previous years where we had a bunch of draft workouts open, we're not having that anymore. So it's just kind of just kind of just more of a laid back off season to a degree. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the fact that the Phoenix Suns are in the NBA finals because it's been quite the turnaround for Phoenix. Uh, prior to this season, the Kings and the Suns had pretty much just spent the last decade as the two like Western Conference laughingstocks. You know, the only two teams in the conference, I think, who hadn't been to the playoffs at all in the last decade. All this type of drama, changing coaches, firing coaches during the season. Uh, both teams labeled with, you know, depending on who you asked. The two worst owners in the NBA are two of the worst. You know, that no one, I think uh, most people would give James Dolan that title. But, you know, Robert Sarver, Vivek Ranadive weren't far behind. If, or depending on who you talk to, they led the rankings just in terms of the results on the court. Well, because you, you, miss, you go 10 plus years missing the playoffs, you probably deserve to get skewered for that. You know, you had that going for them. Like I said, drama, terrible draft picks, uh, questionable decisions in free agency. Oddly enough, both teams signed Trevor Ariza for one-year deals. Actually, they were back-to-back years. Uh, 20, um, <laughs> 2018, was 17-18, Trevor Ariza's with uh, Phoenix. You know, I guess, you know, then he gets traded to, to Washington. You know, but then 2018-19, no, no, but make that back. 1819 Ariza is with uh you know Phoenix gets traded to Washington 1920 Ariza signs with the Kings <laughs> ends up getting traded to Portland but you know just just random weird connections uh for a while the Phoenix Suns were collecting point guards um the, for a while the Kings were collecting centers uh, the Kings had you know would have hope and draft picks that didn't pan out, you know, same with Phoenix, you know, remember the whole discussion, which sounds even crazy a few years ago, about <laughs> what's the Scal LaBCier, Marquise Chris rivalry continue, like for years to come in the Western Conference, like with Phoenix Suns 
dynamic power forward Marquise Chris, Sacramento native, area native, and the King Scowl of BCA kind of be the, the two big men to watch in the West for a while. That shit seems like forever ago, right? You remember? <laughs> now, uh, Scal spent last season in the G League. Marquise, depending on how things go, may not be too far behind him. You know, he's coming off an injury, unfortunately. But, yeah, just wild, wild times. Just in, in all the wrong ways, these two organizations mirrored each other. And, but somehow things have turned around for Phoenix. And I wrote a story about it earlier in the year. About how the you know they went out and got Chris Paul and Phoenix and that changed some things, but here's a couple of distinctions between the two over that last I say since 2010. Or how about let's just skip ahead to 2015? It's probably a little more fair in terms of timeline. A couple of differences between the two organizations. In since say 2015, um, Phoenix has hit in the lottery twice. They've had some, they, they haven't all hit, but they hit twice. One hit, of course, being you know, Devin Booker. Another one being DeAndre Ayton. Since 2015, uh, the Kings have hit twice, you could say. One being De'Aaron Fox. The other one, more recent, so he's only a rookie last year in Tyrese Halliburton. But if things had go, you know, uh, what makes it, kind of distinguishes it that in 2015, the Kings could have drafted Devin Booker. They took Willie Cauley-Stein. 2018, it was not the Kings could have took DeAndre Ayton, but we know the whole story would happen in 2018 in the draft. Don't have to torture you that with more, but they didn't take they didn't take the superstar at number two. They took Marvin Bagley the third, who has not panned out on the level of a couple of the guys taken behind him. Some guy named Luca and some guy named Trey. So that's a big no reason why if you look at this rebuilding process why phoenix you know passed the kings even though for a couple of years ago the kings seemed like they were further along you know well 2019 the kings had a better record we're closer to the playoffs 2020 the kings had a better record we're closer to the playoffs should be noted that in 2019 2020 and missed what 25 games with a ped suspension so that probably would have tilted things for you know uh, to a degree, but yeah, the, the Kings had been ahead of them and they've been leapfrogged. And I think the real leapfrog began in the bubble. Yeah. in the bubble Phoenix showed up with pretty much no expectations, pretty much there because they needed to get an even number of teams to make things work. And no one expected anything from them. They go out there and go eight. No, what did the Kings do? Go to the bubble fall flat on their faces, play terribly, don't defend, and don't make the progress or don't show the intangibles you would hope from a team that had a chance to make the playoffs. So I was thinking, you know, going into the bubble last year that no matter what the result would be for the Kings, if they handled it right, it would propel them going into this, um, 2020, 2021 didn't work out quite that way because, well, of course, the Kings were, what, 5-10? and 10? <laughs> And then, you know, so, I mean, they didn't, I mean, they started off well at 3-1, and one, but then it just kind of went to shit, like, as things tend to do around, the, you know, around Sacramento with this team. So, I think that's where you began to see the, uh, kind of the message that Monty Williams had preached 
over the year start to pay off, whereas Luke Walton's message hasn't kicked in as quickly or as tightly with this group of kings. And then you and uh, another thing of note, uh, 20, we, uh, we got to talk about personnel coaching changes. Uh, both Monty and Luke were hired at the same, no, same year, 2019. Um, if you were looking at the King's list of candidates, their top two candidates were Monty Williams and Luke Walton. Luke was number one, Monty was number two. So they jumped in, snagged Luke real quick. Uh, Phoenix ends up with Monty. And to make it even odder in terms of these, you know, the connections, the, the coach who was fired after a year by new GM James Jones in Phoenix, uh, Igor Kokoska. Oh, I'm sorry, I just butchered Igor's name. Igor Kokoskov. Yeah, sorry about that, Igor. You know, he gets fired in Phoenix, ends up being Luke Walton's lead assistant. Yeah, kind of unique situation, I suppose. It's like, you know, but meanwhile, Monty's building a separate staff down there. You, then you get to the next season. Like I said, the Kings actually had a better record. No, it didn't work out. But so it's almost like Phoenix is a year ahead of the Kings and everything. You know, Phoenix made their move to uh, change and everything with the front office going with James Jones. That offseason, after the bubble, is when the Kings decided to fire. Oh, I mean, well. Part whatever, however you want to put it, they 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 got Vlade Divac out of there as GM, so now the Kings have a new GM in Monty McNair. But Monty has not hired his own coach; he's sticking with Luke Walton. And the fact that you know, no matter what the other reasons might be, you you know, people will say it's a money thing, so on and so forth. You know, if you're going into year two with Luke, Luke is essentially Monty's guy right now, and. So you, you have that, you know, that landscape. But the difference is, is that with a year head start, James Jones was able to go out and identify key needs on the team. He makes the trade for Chris Paul. Uh, he, though they acquired Mikel Bridges. They also, you know, that that's a little bit before, but still, it's kind of a young player to have in there. And outside of Chris Paul, so I'm sorry, I kind of skipped around on that one, but let me just stick to the last offseason. You trade for Chris Paul, and you also sign Jay Crowder. So you get a you get two vet you, you know you get an all star in, in Chris obviously, and you get a you know a kind of a grimy veteran in in Jay Crowder. And what did the Kings do last offseason? Essentially nothing. I mean, you signed Hassan Whiteside to play basically twelve to fifteen minutes. When he could play, uh, you sign Glenn Robinson, the third, who ended up just not being in the rotation. <laughs> so you really didn't do anything to the trade deadline. So, again, the Kings remain a step, two steps behind what Phoenix is doing. So while Phoenix has this leadership and this grittiness, the Kings so desperately need on their team. They need it in the worst way. Uh, instead of having that. They're getting their heads beat in because, you know, even they're good, they're good. When they're bad, they can't stop a they can't stop a nosebleed. They're just terrible defensively. Meanwhile, you see Phoenix ascending to being in the top, you know, ten defensively in the league. <clears throat> so you have that going on as well. Just kind of you see the change. And then even with the younger players, uh so like I said, hitting the lottery. I'd say in terms of progress, you know, Devin Booker 
accelerated or rose quicker than De'Aaron. They're two years apart in the draft, so I don't want to comp- probably compare them parallel, like, you know, like they're at the same rate of their careers. Obviously, Devin has more time in the league, but Devin uh, has already been a two-time All-Star. De'Aaron's trying to get into his first All-Star game. But in this whole comparison, the big key right now has to be 2018, that draft. Uh, both ten, you know, Phoenix is the first pick, Kink at the second pick. The Kent, the Suns go with DeAndre Ayton. People thought maybe they should go with Luka because remember this is the team who, after years of collecting point guards, didn't have a point guard. So, but they they go with the big man, who that year was the probably to me the unquestioned, you know, it was the best college player I saw. I'm no scout or none, but he was the best one I saw all year. And the Kings go with another, you know, college big Marvin Bagley. And while DeAndre Ayton has grown and proven to be a guy who can impact the game on both ends of the floor, can rebound, play defense, Marvin Bagley has struggled to stay on the court, has missed well over 100 games in his career, and continues to irk people by doing weird shit like, I'm going to remove the Sacramento Kings from my bio on social media. So... If you look at the the trajectory of both these teams, missing on that 2018 pick for the Kings was huge. I mean, it caused a lot of Divas's job. That's how bad of a miss that was. So, even with all that being said, do the Kings have hope that maybe in two or three years, they too can overcome bad personnel decisions, bad draft picks? Remember, the year the Kings took De'Aaron Fox fifth, uh, the Suns took Josh Jackson fourth, who has since you know been in the G League, stopped in Memphis and then in Detroit last season. So, you know, it was it's not like Phoenix has been flawless, but they seem to ride at the ship with having James Johnson, not James Johnson, that's the former King James Jones running things, and have him in like you know have him in step with a coach in Monty Williams. You know, they overcame that. They overcame the multiple, the coaching carousel, the, the the drama, the controversy. Remember, this team had at one point Eric Bledsoe, Isaiah Thomas, and Goran Dragic on the same team. And they traded the two guys who would be all-stars. That was IT and, and Dragic. Kept Bled. Bled was unhappy. Then we have the infamous I don't want to be here tweet. Oddly enough, the Kings were in town when that happened. God, the dysfunction between these two teams is just so intertwined. Kind of scary. But that being said, can the Kings pull a Phoenix Suns? Can we be, can we be possibly saying in the 2023-2024 NBA Finals, we'll have the Sacramento Kings playing, I don't know, the Atlanta Hawks in the Finals? Is it possible? I'm not jumping on that because what has to happen? You need all those things we talked about in terms of making sure you get the right coach, the coach you want. They seem to have they seem to have the coach they have the coach they're going to go with. You know, do you have the players? And now it goes to finding the two the thing that Phoenix was able to find this past offseason. Either you either De'Aaron becomes an All Star, or you bring in someone. And I don't think there's a Chris Paul type available. Coming up this offseason, you could look to get in a trade. Not a guy, you know, not a guy who's going to make an impact like that on your team. But maybe you do finally some of those gritty vets this team so desperately needs to help, you know, defensively bring a little attitude, 
because we've said it a million times with the Kings. They're just like a you know, let me say for you, they're nice guys, but where's that grit? Where's that? Uh, they don't have it. At least they don't have it enough. So, can Monty Williams, not Monty Williams, there's too many Monty's now. You got Monty Williams and, and Phoenix. Can Kings general manager Monty McNair make that happen? I have questions largely due to the salary cap situation. You know, De'Aaron's going into a the first year of a max deal. Buddy Hill makes a nice salary. Harrison Barnes makes a nice salary. There isn't just a bunch of money to go out there and grab guys. Maybe you can use that mid-level exception to get some help. Completely possible. Completely, you know, plausible. You can use some exceptions. Maybe make some trades. But it has to start with changing up the roster, which Phoenix did a good job with. Finding some defense. Finding some guys who could make things happen. And now look where they are now. Are the Kings on their way? I don't. Th- I I would say, I lean. F- they're on their way, but they're not nearly as on pace as Phoenix uh, was this time a year ago. But that remains to be seen. Maybe this stretch they had at the end of the season, where with guys out and they continued to play hard and make a push to still make the playing game, maybe that ends up being their bubble situation. Uh, that Phoenix had where they got sa- gained so much confidence winning games and pushing the limit even though they weren't going to get in eventually but to still go undefeated in the bubble I think did some did good for them with their confidence maybe we're, we're, that remains to be seen for the Kings but probably more importantly than how they ended the games you know the last 8, 10, 12 games of the season got to see if they can make some changes to the roster got to get some toughness you know got to get you can't just have uh Harrison Barnes as your only defender the line right was solid but you still need more help you're going to need some uh some rim protection some sides up front still got to deal with the possibility that you might lose Rashawn Holmes that's one thing that the Suns didn't have to worry about with losing one of their key players in free agency they didn't do that so well they almost lost Frank Kaminsky but they got him back because the Kings waived him so there's that but I wouldn't call Frank one of the key guys in the sense of like he's a top eight rotation guy. So let me know what you think. Are the Kings on their way? Is it is it bleak? Is it hopeful? You can go so many different ways with this. But enough Kings talk. Blah, 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 blah. Kings talk, Kings talk, Kings talk. What we can talk about now with some music. And actually, I'm not going to go hip hop. I'm going to revisit last weekend's verses between Keith Sweat and Bobby Brown and really to talk about Keith Sweat and Bobby Brown that is kind of like hip-hop because New Jack Swing which is what they kind of they came up in that's hip-hop to me that's part of the they get their part of the I'd say part of the the culture you know they're part of it they you know they'll Keith Sweat was doing songs with rappers. You listen to his beats, you know, probably stuff rappers still sample. Uh, Bobby Brown was trying to rap on songs, you know. You know, they it was a, a real, you know, looking back to the late 80s, early 90s with them. They really ran that in a lot of ways. And what made this verse interesting to me was that there was this idea that, oh, it's going to be a blowout. It ain't even close. Bobby Brown destroys Keith Sweat. And it's like, first off, some of you probably don't know. I'm a huge Keith Sweat fan. I've seen him in concert at least two, three times. Yo, I know most of his songs. 
it's not like I'm, I'm not a fan like I am of Ice Cube or, or Snoop where I know every single song, but I know pretty much damn near every Keep Sweat song. And I took it as a sign of disrespect that Keith was being so dismissed by the public. Like, come on, man. This man got hits on top of hits. And then on top of that, you throw in the fact that songs that Keith wrote for people. Oh, man, it was on. And I personally thought Keith ran through this thing. And to me, a big part of it was song selection for Bobby. Uh, I I thought Bobby should have ran that Don't Be Cruel album into the ground. He had, you know, but he didn't. Whereas Keith came out with some of his big hits, you know, something just ain't right. You know, Bobby did his with Don't Be Cruel. But I mean, it just, it wasn't the same. Then, you know, probably part of it too was that Keith is clearly in much better shape. You know, he's out there, he's looking, he's performing. You know, when I, you could tell that Bobby maybe hasn't been performing as regularly as Keith has in, the, in recent years. I think the last time I remember seeing Bobby on a stage was like during a BT Awards show, and Bobby looked tired then, and Bobby looked tired during the verses. But really, Keith did a, a good job of just hitting you with all his major, some of his major hits, whereas Bobby was kind of like showing off stuff. It was like, no, just hit us with Don't Be Cruel, some new edition. You know, get into your, you know, you know the Ghostbusters soundtrack song, which he did. You know, but it just was, I mean, just from my point of view, it felt like Keith just had his stuff ready to go. And it just wasn't, it, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're going to, if we were scoring it, I thought Keith won in a blowout. Some people may disagree with me, but hey, maybe I'm biased. It's all good. But if you get a chance, go back and listen to that, to that play, you know, the playlist from that. You forget the fact that Keith Sweat wrote songs like Let's Chill and Freak Me by Silk. You know, Let's Chill was by Guy. So, you know, I think people, a lot of people associate Teddy Riley as, you know, with New Jack Swing and start, you know, his part in it. But Keith Sweat writing songs for Guy, the group of New Jack Swing as well, is pretty big. And then, you know, Keith also had his LSG stuff. How, think about how gangster is that? You had a group. They included the guy that replaced you in New Edition. You know. You know, so, but yeah. And then, you know, Keith's rep, he wrote Just Got Paid. You know, by Johnny Kemp. Another big hit. So, I thought, I, I actually, en- I really enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed the whole show. Then again, you know, it was on during the game. But, I mean, I must have watched. Most of the verses I've watched over the last year have been during NBA games. And can you blame me? Some of the Kings games I had to cover weren't exactly the most exciting. So you had to do something to keep yourself <laughs> engaged with what was going on. So in terms of music, I say if you want to have some late 80s fun, you know, kind of sit back and reflect. If you're young... Kind of figure out what's going on. Maybe if you saw the Bobby Brown documentary and you're a younger person and like, what was the big deal with Bobby? And you still didn't ha- haven't done so. Go back and listen to, you know, to some of this music. Some of the stuff he did back at, back then. It was very innovative at the time. Still good stuff to listen to. I listened to a lot. I was listening to the, to the, to the playlist from Versus just to the uh, last couple of days. Having a good old time enjoying it. Can't wait to see what Versus has for us next. I'm still listening to that Tyler Creator on the regular. 
good stuff with that so yeah by the way if you're ever in the mood to let me know what some good new music is do so you know let me know what i'm missing i'm over 40 now so maybe i'm missing the new stuff just let me know what you think about what's going on i never really hit on the bt awards but uh it's a little late for that you know i know i've been lagging but i don't want to go there with them so hit me up twitter mr underscore jason jones instagram mr jones lbc shout out to the basketball podcast network keeping this machine going for all of us you all hope you i assume you had a happy safe fun holiday weekend i will be back later this week before i go on another vacation so i won't be y'all will get a break from me a little bit in july but y'all be safe out there take care i will catch you later i'm out Fuck the trust, is he my friend or my foe? I'm a f***ing bro, yeah, she give me that clean my ass roll I remember back when I was younger, I was happy Nowadays feel like no one understand me I'm good at artists, silly, I'm Bobby, baby Baby, see, I